What does business intelligence mean, as opposed to artificial intelligence? As it turns out, the definitions get a little bit fuzzy. There certainly are lines to draw, but they're fuzzy definitions. When we polled our audience here at Emerge, we had a, a long kind of ongoing survey asking folks, what topics are you most interested to learn about in terms of the applications of AI? We had things like customer service and marketing, and somewhere on the list was business intelligence, and it was the most selected option. And so we asked those same people, those same respondents, what does business intelligence mean to you? And we got almost everything under the sun. The broad definition that we kind of received was essentially anything having to do with understanding the data that we might already be collecting. It was kind of that broad of an idea of when people think business intelligence, when enterprise leaders and managers and SVPs, our audience, um, thinks business intelligence, they kind of think gaining some intelligence from some of the data we have. As it turns out, there are ways to kind of narrow that definition a bit and to think about how it's going to evolve. And that's what we try to do on this episode. Our guest this week is Elif Tutuk, who is a senior director at a company called Click. That's Click with a Q, Q-L-I-K. Um, this is a firm with 3,000 employees around the world building kind of business intelligence tools. And Elif speaks with us about two things. First, um, how is business intelligence itself evolving? How has it evolved to what it is now? And what is it now turning into? I think a lot of the confusion between business intelligence and AI is actually right because the definitions are only getting fuzzier. Business intelligence is increasingly transmuting in a very AI augmented way. And Elif sort of talks about that in phases that I think are very helpful. In addition, Elif speaks with us about where artificial intelligence is making its way into business intelligence and what that is enabling, what new capabilities, what new actions are going to be possible within some of these systems. She goes into some depth about what that might look like. So anybody now who's looking at business intelligence tools or is using sort of interfaces within their own enterprise to sort of make sense of their own data, how will that alter two years from now, three years from now? I think Elif paints a reasonably compelling picture about what will be new and different. So forward-looking perspective into the zeitgeist of the intersection of BI and AI, and I hope you find it useful. So this is Elif Tudyk with Click. I'm Dan Fagella, and you're tuned in to AI and Industry. Let's go ahead and roll right in. So Elif, I wanted to begin us off in this interview here talking about business intelligence in the enterprise. Sort of what is the role of business intelligence today as you see it? And what is that zeitgeist moving towards? What is it moving into? Everybody talks about being data driven. What does that mean for the role of business intelligence in a company? Yes, Dan, uh, great question. Thank you. So I think the role of business intelligence has been evolved. It has been evolved from just providing a reporting, and it is more about being able to have access to a platform that can provide an end-to-end -end approach from data to analytics and finally to creating insights. So what I think people should start thinking about and should be thinking about having a platform that can provide a full breadth of capabilities, supporting the overall supply chain from data to insight. And overall, the way that I see the BI market is shifting is I think we have seen three generations of BI technologies. So the first generation was about like 20 years ago. And this is where it was the first generation where it was more IT oriented. So IT was governing and creating everything. And it was more about uh, reports and reporting. And this is on the first generation, of course, it was you know great to have access to initial step on accessing data and getting insights from that. But the business users were really tied to IT in terms of getting into those insights. And in the first generation, I think, you know, the systems were more passive. They were just 
doing what the human is being told to them. And again, it was mostly IT generated. Yeah, when um, you say, and just sorry, Elif, I just want to hop in for the listeners who might not know as well. When you say IT generated and you say dependent, do you mean that the business leaders would have to kind of knock on the door downstairs of the smart computer folks and say, hey, can you get me a report? When you say dependent and tied to, is that what you meant or what did you mean? Yeah, that is exactly what okay. I mean. Yep. They yeah. were they were they had to constantly interrupt the tech folks in order to see any of the data in the first place 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Got and it. as you can imagine, the challenge with that is you may have one question right now and the business user may asking, you know, IT to provide a report for that. But then once you see that report, then the next question comes up. And again, you have to go through that loop and it wasn't agile and iterative and fast enough. Got it. Yeah, no, it completely makes sense. I mean, you get the first report, you're going to have 20 more questions. And if you have to bother people in IT for, you know, half an hour every time, you're just not going to dig very far. So I, yeah. I understand what you meant now. You can keep shuffling yeah. along. Yeah. So and then we start seeing the second generation of BI and it was um, like almost 10 years ago. And this is where, where the self-service concept starts to come in. And this is about having self-service visualization, self-service data discoveries, uh, where it was more the business users and the business units were able to generate insights and visualizations for themselves. But in the second generation, again, the challenge was mostly, again, the IT was governing and controlling the data. And what I'm seeing right now is the third generation of BI, where it is more about democratization of data. And it's about having a data layer and a data structure where it is universally accessible in a governed manner. And it's very important for our audience to you know, think about governance of the data, but still providing a self-service accessibility to data layer. And then also more importantly, with the third generation, we start seeing more the use of AI, algorithms and machine learning to be able to crunch all of that data that's around us to be able to surface insights. And that is where I, I really think that the, with the third generation of BI, uh, we start seeing the systems become more generative, like they are able to generate content for the user with the use of AI. Yeah. Okay. And so maybe if we can paint a bit of a picture of what this means, if I'm, if I'm just a functional leader, right? A lot of our audience, we might, they might be in banking and life sciences and, and what have you, but you know, they might be a director, a VP somewhere, a high level manager, maybe a head of something when it comes to what their experience is going to be and how that'll shift day to day. You know, I'm imagining, you know, the old world where they have to go downstairs and knock on a door or send an email and say, can I have a report? Or maybe they have some static reports that are available to them. And now I, I see a world where maybe they're more able to ask the questions of what they want, when they want, and maybe also where they are prompted with information that's important to them without them even having to take the action. So I, I see maybe going from, again, a digital door knocking to an easy exploration as well as kind of exploration being done for them and almost prompting them in some sense. I might be missing more of the vision. I'm just touching on some things that you said. Is there more to flesh out there? Yeah, and exactly, you're on the right spot, Dan. Uh, when I say AI, and our vision to AI is also, it's about augmented intelligence. It's not yeah. artificial intelligence. Really, we are building the technologies, and this is how we should think about these new technologies, where the human intuition should be in the middle of it. But the technology, the role of the technology and algorithms is uh, really to go after the data that the user is interested in and to really run the algorithms to find statistically significant insights in the data and surface those insights to the user so that the user can, first of all, understand and explore that finding by being still augmented 
and then make a decision at the end. So it's about really augmenting the users, not replacing them. Um, and as you can imagine, AI and finding insights, it all starts with data. So now yes. very important for the users to be able to go like a governed catalog environment where they can actually search for the data uh, in a governed manner. And then when, when they find an interesting data set, then by leveraging the augmented intelligence capabilities, they can actually ask questions with natural language, where the system not only understands their question, and then be able to interpret and surface an answer and an insight, uh, but also being able to associatively surface additional relevant insights that you may not be even thinking about. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot here. So I appreciate you going fast with me. Um, in terms of, of what you're talking about, number one, yeah, in terms of the augmenting and not replacing, I mean, for something like reports, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm not speaking for you, by the way, Elif, right now, I'm just kind of speaking to the audience. I mean, if, if you have, you know, four dozen people just pulling spreadsheets and emailing them to people that are asking for them, you may very well have to let them go at some point. I mean, unless you retrain them. But to, to your point, Elif, I think the majority of what you're speaking about now, yes, doesn't necessarily involve inherently the replacement of roles. It simply means easier access to the people who need the darn data in the first place. In terms of what that implies, it sounds to me like we're going to need a new data infrastructure, number one. We need this data to be accessible. That's that's an enterprise problem that's different for every business. And as you would know better than me, massively complicated. Not impossible. It's just, it's just not uh, two-day task. Um, in addition, it feels as though we might need staff, leaders, maybe even frontline people who now know how to and understand how to ask and request for this data, right? If it's so much more accessible, they might have just never used it before because they were not going to be the people that were asking the complicated questions, but, but now it is there. So it seems like we need infrastructure changes and we need kind of expectation and workflow changes from the team too. Those seem like big kind of cultural technical things that go along with this shift. Maybe you can throw some color on that because I see a lot of change being implied by what you're talking about. Yeah, we really think, and I also think that the change is about not eliminating roles under the BI business intelligence umbrella. It's really, we will start seeing shift in the roles, um, you know, how the BI developers and the data scientists and uh, now with the term citizen data scientist is going to change. And I'm expecting that, you know, the definition of a business intelligence de developer will become more, needs to understand more like a data whisperer who needs to understand the needs of the business. And I'm expecting that the business developers, uh, BI developers will spend more more time with the business and then also getting the data ready uh, so that the business users can have a governed access to those prepared data sets. And this is where also the importance like the AI technology will also come into play in the data preparation because as you know we can now run you know algorithms to understand the characteristics of the data and that will actually enable the system to easily associate data from different data sources. And that's very important because for AI to learn you don't want AI to learn part of the story, right? You want it to, for the technology, for the algorithm to see the full story. And that is where it's very important to have a technology that can integrate data from different data sources. Yeah, and that's that's the data infrastructure sort of game, right? You're going to have to have applications that can be the glue. And then you're also going to have to just have those old silos overhauled as well. You know, there's probably going to be no single vendor solution that layers on top like a layer of cheese on a pizza and kind of just gets everything prepped up and harmonized the way you need it. There's probably some some breaking up with a jackhammer of these old ugly systems and allowing them to feed kind of a meta system that can then actually make use of the data. I imagine some some kind of legacy businesses are going to have to accept 
uh, yeah. some of that and shift there. Yeah. Exactly. And I think this is where, um, you know, thinking about platform approach is, is going to be very important. Um, like integrating data is the data part of it. But then you also need to have systems and technologies that can integrate to each other. So the use of APIs uh, it will become very important so that if a BI system generates an insights, you should be able to embed that into the workflow so that users become more uh, proactive and literally get the insights that they need during the workflow that they are doing. So I really think that overall there are three enablers for the third generation of BI. Yeah, the first uh, enabler is the democratization of data and it's about having access to all data in a governed manner that is universally accessible. Um, the second enabler is the augmented intelligence and this is the use of AI machine learning to raise data literacy within the organizations. Again, this is about augmenting the users and helping them to understand, be more easily analyze data and work with the data. So we have been doing a lot of research in terms of the data literacy of the levels of the organization. And what we are, we are seeing is actually the data literacy uh, level is very low in most of the organizations. And that's why the use of technology uh, with AI is to help the user to become more data literate. And the third enabler is really having a platform approach to AI uh, and BI, where from the edge to the C-suite, everyone can get access to insights because now they become embedded into workflows. Got it. Was there kind of the third uh, pillar here to touch on as well? Actually, it was the third one. So like democratization of data. Okay, augmentation. Okay, I'm I'm blending (laughs) augmentation in your last one here. Yeah, and then the final one is being able to embed those. Yeah. And so maybe to, to dive a little bit deeper into augmentation, I think my last... So, okay, so those are those are distinct, and hopefully that's clear for the audience as it is for me. The last sort of part I thought we'd poke into here for maybe our last five minutes is around what that augmentation means. You know, you had mentioned before sort of lightly that the idea is not only can we find the data, I guess that kind of fits with the democratization idea, but that the data might find us. In other words, if there's patterns that matter, they might find their way to the user. If I'm a customer service person, maybe this means that a really angry customer response uh, is going to float its way to the top, or maybe a new pattern of a lot of people having, let's say I'm in in e-commerce, I start having a big spike of delivery issues, you know, people not getting their products to their door. Maybe if that breaks a certain threshold, that data is going to throw itself in front of my face and kind of make itself known, even though I don't pull up the report. Is that sort of what you had meant, where we're going to find ways to make the data known when it needs to be known? And, And if it is, how are businesses going to think through that? Because obviously AI doesn't sit there and think and say, what do my human masters need, right? That, that, that's not really what happens. We would need to somehow tell the system um, what yeah. matters to the human, whether they ask you or not. This is what matters to the human. That also feels like a level of strategy and planning that is not really relevant to BI today because that capability doesn't exist. How do you think that'll happen? So I think one of the important components to enable AI within the business is is the user experiences that we have to think in terms of the human and the machine collaboration. And that goes back to your point about the machine, the robot wouldn't know what is your intent, what is your question. So we really need to think about experiences with the technology where as a user, you know, I don't need to know the technical details about how to use the product, the tool, BI tool. I should be able to just ask my question. But then uh, being able to just asking the question is not enough uh, because as humans, 
we are very good with our uh, visual recognition and pattern detection capabilities, right? So we have to think about experiences that combines the, for example, the natural language processing with the uh, visual exploration capabilities. So that, like, imagine an environment where you ask a question, you get the insight, but then the system can also generate you maybe like um, an on-the-fly auto data story, so that you actually get more about that insight by understanding the context. So. I really think that, you know, it's not only having a platform that you can run algorithms. We really need to think about the user experiences that provides that collaboration between human and the machine. And the other thing is, it's not only that machine is generating insights. It's also the, as humans, we have the intuition. We know our business, right? So the system, the machine should be able to learn from the user input and then adjust the algorithms accordingly. So it's about creating that collaboration uh, where as humans, we will be using what we are good at, like with our non-linear thinking capabilities, being that our visual perception and awareness and ultimately decision making. And it's about using the technology, the machine, with what the machine is good at with, uh, you know, running complex algorithms on large amount of data. Yeah. And that, that balance is, in my opinion, the unknown. You know, I've probably said it a hundred times on the show, figuring out the UI and experience and prompts and features of these AI tools is, in my opinion, harder in many regards than the AI itself. You know, if you build a system that can do anomaly detection really well, congratulations, I guess you're kind of smart. If you can figure out how to prompt a certain category of user to learn more and augment their workflow and become vastly more productive by leveraging that anomaly detection in a way that lets those insights jump out at them and, and, and let them be more powerful in their work, that's where the money is and that's where the value is. And uh, in that regard, LFI, I wish you folks luck because I think as we're probably both aware, that is there's a lot that's unknown there and a lot to evolve there. And I think it'll be exciting to watch in the years ahead. So I'm glad that you were here on the interview. I know we're just up on time, but Elif, I want to say a big thanks for joining us on AI and Industry. Thank you very much, Dan. It was a great pleasure to be in part of this conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of AI and Industry. This is your host, Dan Fagella. I hope that we catch you next week. Many of our executive listeners often get great ideas from our podcasts or our newsletters, but they end up coming to us for more help. So they might see some research project that we did with the World Bank, and they might want to do some of their own research on deeper market opportunities for AI in a specific sector or understanding the growth rates of AI in a certain domain. Uh, they might have seen some AI business strategy work that we've done with a pharmaceutical company and maybe ask about things along those lines or see one of the presentations that we've given at the United Nations and ask if we can speak at an event. Uh, and while we certainly do these things, uh, we're certainly involved with clients on pretty big projects on a regular basis, a lot of the time these messages will just end up in my personal inbox. People will find my email or they'll just find me on LinkedIn and send along a message and this ends up being actually pretty tough to juggle at this point, given the travel schedule and given all the, the client projects that we're involved in. And few people actually know, particularly people who only listen to the podcast and, and aren't on Emerge.com or on the newsletter, uh, don't know that we actually have a services page that lists what we can help with. So we are not the best at everything, but in terms of what we do, which is mapping the capability space of AI and conveying that to executives in ways that help them win in the market, specific services tailored to that can be found at emerj.com services. 
So here at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, we work with government departments, we work with public companies, uh, we work with organizations who are serious about making AI a competitive advantage. And again, we actually do list sort of the programs that we have. So many of the podcast listeners don't know this. These messages end up in my inbox and then I'm you know, traveling for two weeks and I feel really bad that I get back to people later, but you can reach us through that services page or simply send along an email at services at emerj.com, services at emerj.com. From there, Dylan or Marcus or one of our team members will be able to get back to you much more quickly uh, than I would via LinkedIn. So if you're interested in doing more with what you've learned here, if you have serious business initiatives related to artificial intelligence and you want to take your organization to the next level, just simply reach us at emerge.com slash services. That's emerj.com slash services. Or just email services at emerge.com. That's emerge with a J. So thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Next week, again, we're going to be diving into AI use cases and trends and conveying the transferable lessons that you can bring to your organization. And I look forward to having you here next week.